Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hi there, family. Welcome back to Cashing Our Trillions. I'm your host, Yvonne So. I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom of three boys, and this podcast is a space to value the trillion-dollar economy of unpaid labor shouldered by moms. This episode is so special. The work of nonprofit Springboard to Opportunities is incredibly life-changing. So getting the opportunity to speak to founding CEO Aisha Yandaro was the icing on the cake for me. She executes this work with wholehearted optimism, a sense of humor, and so much humanity. I hope it's contagious and inspiring, and if nothing else, It helps open a conversation within yourself about our own privilege and how we determine deservedness. In 2018, Aisha created the Magnolia Mothers Trust, a new initiative that provided low-income Black mothers in Jackson, Mississippi, $1,000 cash on a monthly basis, no strings attached, and for 12 months straight. Now, it's the country's longest-running guaranteed income program and the only one in the world to focus on Black women. Aisha's expertise on economic, racial, and gender justice issues is regularly featured in outlets, including The Washington Post, 
Anampur and Company, Essence Magazine, NBC Nightly News, and CNN. She is a TEDx speaker and a fellow of the W.K. Kellogg Foundation Community Leadership Network and Ascend at the Aspen Institute. She holds a B.A. from Tennessee State University and an M.A. and Ph.D. from Michigan State University. She lives in Jackson, Mississippi with her husband and two very charming sons, who we'll speak about during our conversation. In this episode, you'll hear about Aisha's work on shifting gendered and racialized narratives around poverty and deservedness and how the success of Magnolia Mothers Trust can be scaled nationally through federal policies. Aisha, I'm so honored to have you here today to speak about the impactful work that you do in your community. Can we start by getting to know you personally a little bit? Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your life as a mom of your two boys, and your work as an anti-poverty advocate. Thank you so much, Ivana. Thank you for having me. And thank you for starting the conversation with asking me about centering myself uh, Mm -hmm. um, and my role as a mom. So I am Aisha Yandoro. I um, am in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm homegrown goodness. I'm from Mississippi, from Jackson. And I have been back home doing the work of working in community and um, helping to bring about necessary change for about the last 14 years Um, and keeping me grounded in this work because you do have to stay grounded. Um, It's my loving husband, Joseph, who really um, just hangs out in the background and allows me to do my thing. My husband's an engineer. So Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time that we know just enough about what each other does to justify being married. He's a structural engineer. I know he helps the building stand. He knows I help community stand. So it works out. And then I have two little boys. Um, I have a 12-year-old and I have a four-year-old. My 12-year-old is working towards being a pro golfer as he wants to be a golfer. And my four-year-old is the life of a party in any room he goes into. (laughs) That's amazing. I have three boys myself. So I have 10, 10, 8, and 4. So I I think we we both had 2018 babies. Those 2018 babies are so magical and they're right up there before the cuff of, you know, whatever, when the world fell Mm -hmm. apart for those few years. And so it's so interesting now because my four-year-old, when I compare him to my 12-year-old, I'm like, okay, there's some things that my oldest was doing at four that Mm -hmm. my youngest is not doing. And I'm like, I wonder how much of that is COVID and the fact that he he was at home with me for eight months. Yes. But my four-year-old can run a Zoom meeting and I'm, you know... (laughs) That's right. He's so good virtually, but in person, then he's like hiding behind me. That's exactly right. I'm like, you know, go make cereal. He's like, I can't get my own cereal. I'm only four. I'm like, but I just saw you run a whole meeting. What do you mean you can't make your own cereal? So (laughs) I really cannot wait until they're older so we can really begin to understand what that two years actually Mm -hmm. meant. Yeah, that's true. But but at the same time, I feel they're super resilient too. In the beginning, he was very precarious about getting it back into the real world, but now he's he's definitely acclimated. I thought it'd be hard to get him into preschool, but you know he's he's ready to leave the nest. Real talk. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your family history. You have deep roots in Mississippi. Um, I watched your TED talk, and it was it was so riveting. And in, in addition to your powerful and persuasive message of investing in society's most vulnerable, um, my takeaway was just how dedicated and committed generations of your family 
is to Mississippi. I mean, starting with your granny, Dr. Elsie Dorsey, because you all left to pursue higher education outside of Mississippi. What brings you all back, though? Um, I was really taught that you grow where you're planted. And I was planted in Mississippi. And so I did what I was taught to do. You go off, you get the education. But when it's time to go about the work that's necessary, you come home to do that work. And I am very fortunate that that was the narrative and that's been the reality in the arc of my life. And Mm -hmm. I also am very fortunate that I get to do work that I am deeply committed to and deeply in love with um, in a community that I love and then also have it to feed into my life in a way that I never anticipated and in a way that my life is so well-rounded and beautiful and just my entire family gets to flourish here. And I think it's such an interesting juxtaposition to how we think about Mississippi and the narrative that people often tell around Mississippi. And, you know, I always invite people to come know my Mississippi because Mm -hmm. my Mississippi is beautiful. I have a love-love relationship with this place. There are some warts and there are warts in every community. The reality is that our warts are just just a little more visible for the world to see. And so people have fun actually talking about and picking out our warts. Um, but every community has those. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been, like I said, I've been back home now about 14 years and it has been, um, it's a beautiful time doing the work that I love and raising my boys here with my parents and, you know, great grandparents really close by in those pieces. So did you always envision yourself coming back to Mississippi then? It sounds, yeah, yeah. You know, I did, but I don't, if I'm being totally honest, Yvonne, I don't think I pictured myself coming back to Mississippi as early as I did. I was maybe 27, 28 or so when we, when I moved back here and I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be back here that early. I can't believe I'm about to say this on the podcast, but anyway, it's (laughs) how young and naive I was. Y'all, I had a whole vision of my life after graduate school um, is I went directly from undergrad to graduate school. So I was like, you know, I'm sick of being responsible. I am going to move to D.C. I'm going to live in Adams Morgan, which who I couldn't afford then. I don't even know if I could afford it now. I'm going to get a purse dog and I'm going to live my best <laughs> life. I had a whole plan. <laughs> Down to the purse dog. Down to the purse dog. <laughs> I love it. I can kind of relate to that because I I had like this whole like East Coast city girl thing in my mind too. I went to school in DC and um and then I I met my husband too quite early as well and uh we ended up just going all across America. So I know what you talk about when you say like people, I mean, I've lived in El Paso. I live in Tucson right now, all considered like armpits of America. So um, I hate that terminology so much. It's horrible. (laughs) Unless you live there and you like kind of thrive in the community, you don't, people don't really get the full deal with it. Right. That's true. I get that. Um, So maybe let's talk about one of your keystone programs at Springboard to Opportunities. It's the Magnolia Mothers Trust. In your own words, can you please describe this program to listeners and just walk us through how you came up with this idea in 2018? Yeah. So the Magnolia Mothers Trust is my fourth baby. So I have my actual physical first baby who is Tandakai, who's 12, have Springboard Opportunities, which I'm the founding CEO of, which we started um, 
it'll be 10 years ago next year. That's my second baby. And then I started really dreaming about what it would look like to give Black mothers money in 2017. Um, And that all came to fruition in 2018 with the Magnolia Mothers Trust. And at the time, I was actually physically pregnant with my fourth baby. The Magnolia Mothers Trust is... uh, the first guaranteed income project in this country to really take a racial and gender approach to talking about income inequity and really talking about how the systems has failed a subset of our population. We provide $1,000 attached for 12 months to Black mothers that live in federally subsidized affordable housing um, in Jackson, Mississippi. By providing $12,000 annually, we are in essence doubling the income of the women that we work with because- and exactly. Yeah. And let me break let me break that down. So we tell ourselves this narrative that individuals who are poor choose to be poor. And we tell ourselves that narrative because that then absolves us of our guilt and it absolves us of actually being responsible for our neighbors and responsible for the collective community. And so we say, oh, well, people are poor because they want to and they should work harder. No, people are poor because our systems have actually failed individuals. Our federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. So what that means is that you can work full time, which a lot of our women do, and you still are only making about $12,000 annually. This is such an important point to drive home. Poverty stems from structural barriers. There's a whole web of interrelated systems and structures that drive disparities in access to education, childcare, healthcare, high quality jobs, and affordable housing near work. And as Aisha just mentioned, even if you work full time at a federal minimum wage job, as many moms of the Magnolia Mothers Trust do, you're subsisting on $12,000 per year, which Aisha points out doesn't give you much bandwidth to dream of a better future or come close to building generational wealth. So the Magnolia Mothers Trust is in essence doubling your income. And we also provide a 529 account and we see those accounts with $1,000 for every kid of a mother that we work with because it is about providing income stability in this moment for our moms so that they have the bandwidth to dream about the future. We'll also think about whatever the needs they have for themselves immediately, but we're also investing in the future of their kids and really talking about how do we build wealth um, by investing in 529 accounts. We started this work in 2018. Um, I remember when we first started talking about it, people looking at me like, you're going to do what? You can't do that. You know, in this country, we do not operate in the pl- in the space of radical imagination. It's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Should, you know, tap into your imaginations more. But it's not even that radical of an imagination, right? For somebody who's only making $12,000 a year, what do you think they need most, right? It's not, it's not like a dream or, you but know. But I'm going to push back on that yeah. because what it is, is who we d- believe is entirely entitled to dream and who we believe is entitled to not have to worry about every day how they're going to pay their bills. So you're right. It's not that radical. But what is, you know, in this country, we have we have so long attached ourselves to ideals of deservedness. That's right. That we we have told ourselves that there is an entire subset who, like I said, are poor just because they choose to be poor. And we've attached ourselves to those narratives. And I always Mm -hmm. want to make sure that I give credit to the women. Um, 
um, because it's not as if I was just sitting around saying like, oh, let me figure out how to give y'all money because I wasn't. <laughs> 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 um, I, I was not. I, you know, I eventually got there, but it was really what happened in 2017 is that as an organization with Springboard, we have been providing all of these programs and services for families that live in affordable housing. And we were seeing that we were not moving the needle on poverty. Whenever we have a question about something that's happening in our community, we go to the residents and say, okay, what is it that we're missing? And in 2017, we did just that. We said, okay, we know that we're providing all of these programs and services that you and your family are participating in, but we're not seeing people move out of affordable housing. We're not seeing you move into home ownership or market rate housing. And that was important because so many of our families indicated that those were the goals that they had for themselves and their families. That's what they wanted. And we were saying, okay, why isn't this actually happening? Every answer that we heard was something that could be fixed with cash. They weren't mm-hmm. saying that, oh, we need another program. It was stories after stories after stories stories. And when we sat down and listened, I was like, okay, every story that we're hearing is a story that can be fixed if people just had money. And so since I'm a researcher by training, we began to dig deeper into, okay, what is, what's happening here? And we began to look at our social safety net and particularly here in Mississippi and the way our cash structure is worked on, it's designed within our welfare system is virtually impossible in Mississippi to get welfare um, or to get temporary assistance for needy families, which is the cash assistance that you and your family should be receiving. We began to really look at, okay, the wealth gap or the income gap as it relates to Black women and white women in this state. And it was this piece after piece after piece. It's like, okay, there are all of these systematic barriers that exist that we have to address. But while we are addressing those systematic barriers, how do we really just provide our families with what it is that they need right now, which is money? And so that's when I started saying, okay, now how do I give Black women particularly money? Um, And this is in 2017. And I sat down with a roundtable of mothers and I said, okay, I don't know what this is. I don't even know if we can do this, but just come and dream with me about the possibilities. And they did. We had about six months of conversations just really thinking about what this could look like. And then I went on maternity leave and had the baby. That's why I was like, it goes back and forth between the third yeah, baby and yeah, the fourth yeah, baby. Yeah. Like which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> While I was on maternity leave, I went through all of the notes and that's where Magnolia Mother's Trust really came from. That's when we really were like, okay, It'll be 12 months. It'll be $1,000 a month. Um, All of those pieces began to come into play. And so in 2018, we launched with 20 Black mothers. We have now supported over 320 women. We have opened over 200 529 accounts and seeded Uh those accounts with $1,000. We've not only impacted the lives of the women that we work with, but we really have been changing the way that we talk about poverty in this country and how we talk about the need for cash and how we really talk about centering the agency and dignity of individuals. I love it. I love it because it's, you know, in this four years, You've done so much to move the needle and you would spoke about, you know, the structural challenges. Nothing has changed at the legislative level. <laughs> like if anything, we've probably gone back. We've been stripped of more rights and like it's not like anything's changed, you know, for Family Leave Act or welfare reform or anything like that. But you just coming up with this idea to put cash in women's hands, like, look, now you're up to 300 families that you've helped and transformed their lives. I think it's, it's an amazing story. You're listening to Cashing Our Trillions. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. I think I also read on the website that you said like, oh, in 2018, I had two babies, right? Magnolia Mothers Trust is one of them. I'm sure just the juxtaposition of you going through your pregnancy and motherhood and being able to provide for all your baby's needs contrasted against the path that these mothers are on that who also live in your community just probably gave you a more, it sounds like it also gave you more of a sense of urgency to get this started and then execute on it. You know, you know, it's so interesting. I don't know if I've ever thought about it in relation to that part, but I will say this, that when, you know, I said earlier that um, when we really went out and had those conversations and we were listening, it was a conversation with one of our moms who had gone through a traumatic birthing experience. I remember I was pregnant and she was having this conversation about her pregnancy experience and it was a traumatic story, but she was just telling the story as if it was this very matter of fact. And she talked about how she had went into the hospital and she ended up needing to have an emergency cesarean section. Mm -hmm. Um, And while she, before they prepped her for the cesarean section, um, the nurse asked her if she wanted staples or stitches Mm -hmm. and that she advised that she get staples because that that was less expensive. And I was like, what? But you know, it's all of of these pieces when you don't have insurance and you're dependent on Medicaid. So your, you know, healthcare decisions are determined by how much you can actually pay. And she talked about how she felt like a bad parent Mm -hmm. in that moment. Their society makes you feel like a bad parent when you've done nothing wrong. You had this traumatic experience and it was all because you didn't have $570. A footnote in your life should not be trauma because of financial inabilities. And we see that time and time again. Or that you even had that conversation. That story really hits hits me because I had an emergency C-section too. Me too. And nobody, and nobody asked me, do you want staples or stitches? I didn't even, I didn't even know it was an option. That's why when she said it, I was like, what? Exactly. I had to to go do the research and I was like, oh, they asked her that because staples are less expensive. That's horrible. Your recovery time is greater Mm -hmm. in all of those pieces. But yeah, with my first son, I had an emergency cesarean section. No, they just did it. No one came to me and it made me, you know, make decisions about my chat, my healthcare and all of that in a moment. So you're right. The options that are provided to you, even in some of your darkest moments, uh, shift depending on your yeah. financial abilities. In that moment, it's it's scary because you're thinking about losing your baby or potentially losing your life. Like literally, I didn't have much of a decision. Like they're like, you're going in for emergency. We're going to cut you open and and that's it. And so could you imagine then having a discussion? Oh, uh, stables or stitches, right? It's like, no, exactly. get the baby out. We can talk about all that afterwards, right? Oh my goodness. Maybe also speak about like the qualitative aspects of this cash infusion on moms. Like how does this cash transform them personally and affect the way that they show up as mothers? You know, yeah, I like to um, talk about it, the joyous currency, 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we see. So many of our moms for the first times actually have joy and they're able to dream about the future because they're just not so focused on today because they know today is taken care of. And that has been the most beautiful part of this work for me quite personally, to see moms that I know are just out there slaying as parents actually recognize that they're a good parent for the first time and actually see themselves as a good parent because they can say yes to some of the things that their kids want, not just the things that they their kids need, how they actually have the breathing room to actually think expansiveness and not just work and operate in a space of scarcity. All of that has just been beautiful. When I talk about the work, I always make sure that I say, okay, we have to change the narrative on poverty by changing the narrator. And And that's where we really do work to make sure that the women that we work with and support and get the beauty of working alongside, that they are empowered to share whatever pieces of their narrative that they want to share because it's theirs. So here's just one story pulled from Springboard to Opportunity's storytelling series. As the website states, these are human stories. Too often, the stories of low-income women are mediated through the perspective and assumptions of those writing articles or op-eds. Springboard to Opportunity's goal is to let women tell their stories in their own words. Here's Tamika. I'm Tamika Calhoun, and I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. I have five children. When I first received the first check I wasn't working then I had this one I had just lost my job I was able to buy things that my children needed and then their birthdays had fallen around that time I was able to get them something that they wanted instead of you know just kind of getting them what I felt like they would be happy with so it it was able to provide that for us like I've never been able to because it's five of them (laughs) and they sometimes they want things that I know I can't afford to give them so that's what else it provided for me and I was able to pay my bills so that was helpful to have no strings felt like a blessing there's always some kind of stipulation like you have to do xyz in order to receive it and you have to spend it on abc (laughs) So that was a blessing. More programs should do that. I guess they think people are going to take advantage of it and they want to have more control over if they're the ones providing this to you. They want to have control over what you do with it. So I know I speak for a lot of people. We appreciate the being able to spend it on whatever we want. At this point in juncture in 2022, after all that we all have collectively been through, if you still don't understand how poverty works within this country and you still don't understand that race and gender and geography and all of those pieces actually do play a significant role in the haves and the have nots, that you are just being woefully ignorant at this point. I think that's what you're asking people to do. Look at that's yourself right. in the, in this, right? That's and right. Pr- try to put yourself in these shoes and feel the humanity of 
being in this situation and what would help you? Not even put yourself in those shoes. Look at your life. Put yourself in your own shoes and have an honest conversation and reflection about the beautiful life that you have and all of the supports and systems and policies that have helped you get that beautiful life. So, yeah. So, And then how do you uplift other people and help them, right? And even if you don't want to uplift other people, how do you just not be a barrier to other people? (laughs) The the helping may be too far for you to go, but don't be a barrier. Just get out the way. Structurally and emotionally. I know. Oh my God. You know, that's a conversation over wine. So true. (laughs) And I think you talked a little bit about it before, but you're halfway through your fourth cohort, right? So maybe talk about how your project has just exponentially grown because you started with 20 women and now you have a couple hundred. I think that there are so many different layers and ways in which this project has exponentially grown. So we started with 20 women and people always ask me like, oh my goodness, why'd you start with 20 women? And I always laugh because I'm like, oh my goodness, stop playing. Let's just be honest. That's about- $20,000. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Um, 12, yeah. When we started this work, we really were, t- like I said, we were talking about giving Black women in extreme poverty money without strings to do do whatever you want to with it. We trust you. You don't have to report back and all those things. And individuals were like, you cannot do that. Um, Time and time again, we heard that. But not only that, you know, I am also situated in the South and less than 1% of private philanthropy comes to the South. And of that less than 1%, I am a Black woman running an organization Mm -hmm. in the South. Less than 1% of that 1% goes to Black women. A 2020 research report released by Echoing Green and the Bridgespan Group shows that race remains a defining factor when looking at which organizations get funded and how much they receive. People of color, the leaders who intimately understand the experiences and unique challenges of the communities they serve, are time and time again underfunded as a proportion of their population. So Aisha's story of her Herculean task to overcome these funding barriers is sadly more the norm than exception. It just was a difficult task, even raising the money to get to where we are. And I remember the first year of the Magnolia Mothers Trust, every time I could go to a conference, take a meeting, whatever I could do, I was there. My now four-year-old was a baby. I really was naive enough to believe that all we had to do was a proof of concept. Once we actually do prove that you can give people money and that they will go about the business of taking care of themselves and their families, that individuals would just release the capital and it will be great. Um, I know I was naive. You know, it was, I was like, oh my God, you know, it's like the money's going to rain down like manna from heaven. It did not because that first year I was constantly having to push back on the narrative of how Black mothers in this country are viewed. And I was constantly having to make people try to see the humanity in the population that I work with. And that was very hard from an emotional standpoint. Well, because it's personal for you. Because it's like, yeah, exactly. Because at yeah. some point, it's like you can't feel that that's not how people look at you. Right? Yeah, all, all, all of the things, all yeah. the respectability politics aside. Um, so yeah, all of that. So I don't, so that was a lot. And I will be very honest, had it not been from COVID, I don't know if we would have the success that we've Mm. had. COVID happened in 2020 and we all were forced to have empathy. Collectively as a country, 
oh, crap, poverty or income instability is not just something that happens to those people. It happens to me too. And then you're right, because the pandemic came on, there were so many government assistant programs at that time to help families kind of get through that financial hardship that people are a little bit more open to helping their neighbors. That's exactly right. The stimulus checks, the tax credit, all of that are cash-based policies that the federal government implemented without strings. Exactly. You know, so it's not as if anyone had to go report how they use their stimulus checks or how they Mm -hmm. use their child tax credit dollars. So I think the federal government really has demonstrated that, number one, we know how to do it. And number two, we can't afford it. So as individuals continue to push back on this ideal of, okay, oh, we really can't afford to do that. We actually can. We spend billions of dollars on poverty alleviation in this country annually, and we have not alleviated anything. But what we did see last year in that in the six months that the child tax credit, where the majority of families within this country received a check based on the number of kids that they had within their house, we cut child poverty in half in six months. Why did we not make it permanent? Study after study backs up Aisha's statistic. One of the reasons these monthly payments had such a significant impact on child poverty is because the expansion closed a large hole in the child tax credit. It's a bit counterintuitive, but before, a two-parent, two-child household needed to earn at least $36,000 a year to qualify for the full benefits. So essentially, the children who needed the most help got the least. Besides the precipitous drop in child poverty, there are long-term, qualitative benefits to making the pandemic child tax credits permanent. In March of this year, the Brookings Institute published a research report delving into the anti-poverty effects of the expanded child tax credit. Their research shows that child poverty fell immediately and substantially. When families have income stability and can meet their basic needs, Children flourish for life. Specifically, cash and near-cash assistance programs have been shown to promote stronger educational, emotional, and health outcomes in children that follow them through life. According to the Tax Policy Center, to make the pandemic-era child tax credits permanent, would cost just a little over $225 billion. That's a high price tag, yes. But given women and moms standing as $1.5 trillion creditors to our nation, it's something we could afford if we cashed our trillions. Aisha continues by speaking exactly to these long-reaching and long-term benefits of cash assistance. I give people money without restrictions. I don't have any set outcomes of what I expect people to do with the money. But what I will say is that I know that 20 years from now, there will be some baby graduating and giving a valedictorian speech at their college, their medical school, their law school, their whatever. And they are going to mention this program their mom got. They're going to be like, I don't know the name of it. I don't know any of that. But I know for a year, my mom got $1,000 every month and how that changed my family's life. And and I know that's going to happen because I've seen it happen in my life. Like, you know, you started with talking about my granny, Dr. Elsie Dorsey. My granny 
got pregnant with my mom when she was 17 and she had to drop out of um, high school because that's what you did in the Mississippi Delta. Well, fast forward with some program somewhere that allowed her to get college credit for life experiences. And then it was some program somewhere that allowed her to take that and do a dual um, bachelor's and master's program at SUNY College in New York Mm -hmm. and how that changed the trajectory of our family. And so um, I don't know what the question was. We're talking about how some, 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 <laughs> some, some kid, but I was going to say, cause that, that kid too is going to be at that school paying their tuition from that 529. That part, I feel like, cause that's like, that really gets to the core of investing in moms. When you invest in moms, you invest in the future. And putting that money in that 529 just really ensures the kids, that the next generation are going to be taken care of and have a future. That's right. I, I love that. No, thank you for that. And let me, I'm going to plug about 529 because people are always like, oh, it's only $1,000. $1,000 today, but you have 18 years to grow it. <laughs> but not only that, I'm like, you know, it's, it's so much privilege when you say only in yeah. front of $1,000. I'm like, oh my God, just show, just show me your privilege without showing me your privilege. <laughs> also, there's data that shows that for kids from low income communities, that if they have as little as $500 in a 529 account, they are four times more likely to go to college and to be successful. It's not about the amount of money. It's the fact that someone actually invested in their future right. and mm-hmm. believed in them enough. That the account is open. That's something that if they get a job, a side job, they could put money into it. That's you know, right. I think you know? Because the account is there, there's more likelihood they try to fund that account no matter how much. And it's time value of money. Right? It's like, because they have 18 years to grow it. So that's yeah, right. that, that's, that's one of to me, that's one of my favorite parts of the program. And I really get this from talking to you too. And I picked it up from watching your TED talk. You talk about being blessed with your granny's sense of optimism. Um, How does that, and I I definitely got it this entire time we're talking. How does this optimism like drive your work and your mission and maybe paint us a picture of your most optimistic vision of Magnolia Mother's Trust? Oh gosh. Um, so optimism fuels my work. And so that's what optimism does for me is the North Star. My vision for Magnolia Mother's Trust is that Magnolia Mother's Trust doesn't have to exist. Mm. I want permanency. Um, when we started Magnolia Mother's Trust, it was not to operate this program in perpetuity. That would be a failure. For me, right, it really, yeah. yeah, it really was. How do we go about changing Number one, how we talk about poverty as it relates specifically to Black mothers in this country, and how do we change our systems so that our systems are actually giving families the financial resources that they need to be successful. I feel like we have done those pieces that we needed to do. And so now it is time for the federal government to step in and provide permanency for this work. We need structural change. We do, because it's not just about the 320 mothers that we have supported. It's about the millions uh, of families that will benefit from America. Exactly. That will benefit from a guaranteed income. That's exactly right. That will be a win. And I will retire and go sit with Oprah under her trees. (laughs) And uh, I was going to say, I should (laughs) be president. (laughs) I want to be president. I want to be retired. Speaking of which, Aisha, how will you cash your trillion? 
I will use my I will use my trillions. I would invest it so that my trillions stay trillions, and I will provide a guaranteed income for every individual in this country that needs it. I wouldn't so. expect any different of an answer. <laughs> and then I will retire myself. <laughs> This episode was produced by me and sound edited by Shen. Cashing Our Trillions is part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. If you have a story to share, please email us at cashingourtrillions at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, please take a moment to rate and review it. It would really mean so much to me. Thank you for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.